you thought it might be next week, or maybe the week after that. Then you wondered, would there ever be one again? Yes. Hi, everybody. Uh, Welcome back to Tell It Anyway, the podcast that you never know when it's going to be back, but we always bring it back at the very last possible second. (laughs) Like Independence Day. Like Independence Day. (laughs) Unfortunately. (laughs) Today's topic is fitting for people who normally hide behind the invisible wall of podcast audio because it is called In Front of of everyone. So today I have brought two fabulous human beings into the little office above the butcher. She said two. <laughs> and one and one douche and one, I, and one I decided to marry. <laughs> two fabulous new nice cover. Nice nice save. There you go. Been on the program. The first is Miss Jess Mewborn. Jess is a fabulously talented photographer who is based in Texas, deep in the heart of Texas, I believe. Uh, she's a writer and photographer for the Alamo City Moms blog, and she may be best known in this office as Jacks the Dog's preferred celebrity photographer. <laughs> Hi, thanks, thanks for letting me talk on a microphone. Someone who is very used to talking on a microphone, although it's usually casually hidden, is Austin Basis. Austin Basis is from Brooklyn, and that's really all you need to know. <laughs> it's true. Austin is actually an actor. He's a lifetime member of the Actors Studio, which those in the know may know. I don't think I knew. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, I'll give you a moment all to be super psyched. About. I don't think I knew uh, that. That's yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Um, he got his break like many, many New Yorkers in an episode of Law and Order, this particular brand of criminal intent. He's appeared on shows we love to watch like Life Unexpected. He has been on Curb Your Enthusiasm and he plays medical researcher, professor, <laughs> and beast friend, <laughs> JT Forbes on CW's Beauty and the Beast. So welcome, Austin. We've been wanting to get you on here for a long time. Yes, and it's uh, really yeah. great to have you in Is LA. it true that statistic that 73% of all actors got their first break on some form of law and order? Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Totally, totally. That seems low. <laughs> it might be a little low. There was Law and Order Junior on Disney, but it, it didn't work out. <laughs> I thought you wrote on that. Didn't you write on that? I killed her right on awesome. Law and Order Junior. Wouldn't that oh not be God. awesome? Law and Order Junior. Somebody called Dick Wolf. Yes. We think it's a great yeah. pitch, just as long as nobody is ever dead or hurt or harmed in any way. Someone stole my toys. <laughs> you about the one time I was in front of everyone I don't know if your high school had a rock band that was led by the physics teacher (laughs) (laughs) nope nope but I did and was it the official rock band of the high school it wasn't just like some garage rock band it was an actual rock band that had been around since like the early 80s because we had this crazy physics teacher named Howie Friedman that's the craziest physics teacher name. You just wait. <laughs> That's so Brooklyn. It's so Brooklyn. He was the 43rd most allergic man in the world. How he <laughs> And he was a really great teacher. He was, he made physics the only time he's ever made any science interesting or accessible to me. And he also created and founded this hugely successful school activity called the Bop Tones. Can we just quickly ask about the 43rd most yes. Yes. man in the world? Like, I didn't, at first I didn't know that there were rankings. Yes, like, right. you go, oh, I like ketchup now. Looks yes. like I've gone down one. <laughs> I think that story may fall into the definition of apocryphal rather than exactly true, but that's how we knew him. He was Howie Friedman, the guy who taught you how to build a nuclear bomb. He was the 43rd most allergic, the theory, not the actual building. <laughs> the 43rd most allergic man in the whole world. And the leader of the high school rock band. Howie the one thing he wasn't allergic to was rock and roll. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're shredding. Yes. So I grew up 
not knowing I could sing at all. And if anyone asked me if I could sing today, I would say no. But I have told a story previously on this podcast about how I was, for once in my life, the lead in a production of Really Rosie at Temple Beth Elohim mm. in Park Slope, Brooklyn. And that was great. Mazel tov. It was my one shining <laughs> moment. And everybody was surprised. And so uh, I would sing in high school musicals, but I was not a lead. I couldn't dance. My acting was minimal. I could carry a tune. I could sing with someone who was harmonizing but not harmonize. <laughs> so <laughs> it was always the melody, right? I could keep to the melody, but I couldn't break into a harmony. But against all better instinct, my junior year of uh, high school, Howie Friedman cast me in the bop tones, mostly because I could play the flute. So there's another thing you might not have known about me. You're a flautist. I'm a flautist. And I, and I used to play the piano. So they could so you're use flouti- flautist the pe- penis. Yeah, I'm a penis flautist. <laughs> you're a penis flautist. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. So they wanted to do like knights in white satin, and then they needed someone who could play the flute, and there I was. So that's pretty much how I got. Was there an there. audition process? Or, yes, yeah. I said you were in the physics room. I sang um, Janis Joplin, me and Bobby McGee. I did fine until the part where you had to break out and go crazy and go la di da la di da di da di da, and then I just it kind of like really mushed out. But I I did it. I made it in. So that was fine. I had like minimal backup singing, like a couple things. Senior year in the band, everything's going well. For some reason, they gave me this song, uh, "Come Sail Away" by Styx. Come sail away. Yeah. Come sail away. Come sail away with me. Right? Nice. And it's a really good song to sing, but you got, it's like hair metal. Like you got to commit. Yeah. You got to commit. And for some reason, Howie Friedman decided that he had enough confidence in me and the song and the way it was all going to open the show. Senior year, giant high school auditorium in Fairlawn, New Jersey opening the show now a little backstory on jenny the high school student right jenny the high school student was not a popular kid she was not an unpopular kid she was somewhere in the the amorphous middle the some parties you got invited to some parties not so much couple of good friends never ran for student council wouldn't dream of going to drink behind the nabisco plant But for some reason, my voice and this song went well enough together that it felt like a good show opener. So if we're talking about in front of everyone. so Although it wasn't technically in front of everyone because your teacher had to go into the other room because he was allergic to faux leather auditorium seats. (laughs) Yes. Microphone foam. (laughs) Go get him, kids. Now, this high school also had been the place where uh, in my freshman year, I walked in the door. And literally knew not a soul. Not a soul. It's the only time in my life I've ever walked in somewhere and not known a single human being. And so I've always was like filled with terror and longing for New York City, where I had been removed from to end up in Fairlawn, New Jersey. And this was the big moment. What part, of the, what part of the year was this performance again? End of the year. End of the year. So like that, end of that, senior year. End of senior year. So Opening this big concert that was a huge thing. I was being handed a moment on a platter. I was nervous, but I was super confident because I knew this song. My voice fit really well with it. Me and Billy Joel and the guy lead singer of Styx apparently are all in the same register. Yes. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. know why. And I went out. I was wearing like ripped jeans, um, a white, uh, we used to call them wife beaters, but we're not allowed to call them that anymore. That's no longer a name you call clothing. Um, Guido Tuxedo? Yeah. Could we call Guido it a Guido Tuxedo? tuxedo? Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> Guido Tuxedo? I think you call we them will. now uh, tank tops matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Drop a nickel yeah. in the jar. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, also wearing uh, my grandfather's uh, black vest, sleeveless black vest. So I was like really... Killing it in the not caring, caring rock star department. Rock in the 90s. Rock in the 90s, right. Yeah. And this was 1994. So Pearl Jam. It was very Pearl Jam. It was very Pearl Jam. And you had mall hair. 
fuck you. <laughs> oh! Jenny and I had this long-standing argument where I, uh, I have like there was like uh, pictures of Jenny, like collage of Jenny on her mom's uh, like wood-paneled wall or old house in Fairlawn that I saw like once, and I swear, like a Yeti, that there it was a picture in there of her with like a jacket with buttons on it, and her hair was slightly mollish, and I've always bludgeoned her with it, but she won't. <laughs> she doesn't agree that it was true. You you said the other day that you wanted to see me give you the death stare <laughs> just to see. Here it is. It's here right now. Okay. So you can hear. It's like that performance thing. You know, you've done live performance. You've, you know, experienced that moment where you get out in front of a bunch of people and you can hear the buzzing of the crowd in the auditorium. And I know the words. I'm prepared. I'm ready to go. But what I realized was I, I walked out. I grab the mic, you know, floor mic standing there. I look out at this darkened sea of people, some of whom have just like tortured me. Some of whom are my friends, some of whom I have no idea who they are. And I realize I don't know what to do. And so the song starts calm and slow. And I realize like, I know the words. I'm sailing away. drawn out song and I have nothing to do I'm just like staring out of these people clasping onto this mic for dear life I'm supposed to open this performance with like I'm bored of the captain so climb I am a self-conscious little Jewish girl from Brooklyn I don't know what to do like I had nothing to do and so I just sort of you don't know what to do with yourself while you're waiting for the moment to belt it well I don't know what to do with myself on the stage we rehearse in like the disability center over on Radburn or something like it's a tiny little rehearsal space where I was very comfortable with people I was very comfortable with but I get out on this big stage and I, I don't have movement or blocking or anything and I'm just paralyzed and instead of having that like booming self concert you know and it was fine I wasn't terrible I was able to keep in tune but I was obviously very nervous it's like very laggy draggy yeah, yeah. because there's just no force and so then the song starts to build but then I realized like, I do not I have this moment where I just do not have the confidence to do what I need to do, which is take that microphone and, and rip just it like, off, rip it off, and just start dancing around the Roll stage. Roll down the mic, stand. Roll down the mic, and just jam. And I realize, like, in front of all these people, I should not be opening this show. Uh. Like, I should not be opening this show. So I make it through the song, and like the applause is good. It's polite, you know. There's good guitar solos, whatever. But and I hit all the notes, but I come off just feeling like in a weird way devastated because like I was given this opportunity by Howie Friedman, who's a legend of our school. Yeah, 43rd most. 43rd most allergic man in the world. Put his faith in me and I didn't have it. And hit the bricks, Josephson. You're allergic to talent. You're no longer a bop, Josephson. Yeah, get out. Get out of my You got tone, but no bop. So what I realized, though, was I may not have been a rocker, but maybe I was more of a storyteller because my only other solo song was Bad Company's Shooting Star. And now this is a song that I had sung to kids at camp all my life, right? Like, you know, summer camp, and I'm the, the kid singing them to sleep, and I got on that stage the second time and sitting down. This was a storytelling song, a story about a guy who dies from a drug overdose, which seems very appropriate to sing to children at summer camp. So Jersey. Thank God this was in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Oh, good. And I was able to commit to the storytelling of that song because I didn't have to move and dance. So I guess what I figured out was in the most painful way possible, not so much a dancer. But that second song was the same, that was this follow-up song of yeah. the same performance. Yeah. So it, within that performance, and I had my friends with me singing back up, I was able to recapture something. But that concert definitely... Dignity? Yes. Yes. Dignity. Uh, confidence, stage presence, because I was able to sit still, focus on the singing. I had all this backstory of summer camp to me, and it was fine. And after that, I will say, I never sang in public again 
after the bop tone. And and I that was if you want to mark the moment that I turned away from performance as a viable career option, that was it. You have to command presence, right? And and I you must know quite a great deal about this, Austin. I could not command presence in an actual physical location. In fact, when I first started doing this podcast, I had panic attacks. Straight up panic. Yeah. I was like, people are going to hear me. They're going to know my name. They're going to know what I said. They're going to be mad at me. And like it took a couple. No, really. Like it took a couple podcasts for that to like punch through. And I realized like I'm just not a maybe not a performer. I don't know if like obviously if you've ever had that feeling, you punch through it. But I'm just wondering, like, have you ever had that feeling? Yeah, I think you always kind of have (laughs) had that feeling. And that's why you like prepare or over prepare just so when you get there you're like i just going to rely on it but it's a, you kind of over i guess over the years learn to love that you know it's almost like you know you're a little bit of a masochist right. you like kind of love that torturous kind of like i could totally make a fool or embarrass myself right now but i'm still going to do it right. and you use that energy that kind of negative energy and kind of like throw it down right. with that and use that for whatever you're doing, whether it's, you know, telling jokes or singing or not that I've done <laughs> the singing part, right. but uh, the, uh, you know, just being in front of people, just to kind of like use that, you know, kind of like, it's so like this, you know, amorphous blob of energy, of negative energy that you could turn and run away and, you know, sail away off stage. Right, right. <laughs> but uh, you you kind of like, you know, almost like lean into it and, and try to like, right. you know, like throw it up and knock it out of the park. Have you ever had a show where you've had to execute like a dance, like a, 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 a choreographed number of some kind? Yeah, I, I went to dance school. Yeah. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah, totally, totally. I didn't know that. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So um, what what does that entail? Like, could you just it bust entails, it out in craziness just right now? Like, oh uh, well, no. Well, it, it doesn't really get <laughs> a podcast, but uh, I'm doing it right now. <laughs> uh, no, it it was really emba- more embarrassing than the dancing was the the costumes that we had to wear, which involved spandex and sequins, and that's where it goes off the wrong, <laughs> you know, <laughs> off into the the bribe pictures or the uh, the blackmail photos from my past. But uh, <laughs> one costume was actually cool, and it was to uh, David Lee Roth, <laughs> just the oh gigolo, as a eight-year-old or nine-year-old kid. Sure. Oh, my God. Get this. Why is that not on YouTube? <laughs> no, sleeveless, sleeveless, half shirt. With sequent seams, like sequent arms and, and neck, you know, seams, nice and hanging fishnet. So <laughs> oh, my nips God. out wow. like no one. And then kind of like bell-bottom, spandexy satin-type pants. <laughs> uh, I was uh, very slight of frame then, so it was all right. But the, the, <laughs> the, 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 the one I really liked was uh, to uh, steam heat which is from pajama game. Right. So, and it was like a kind of a poofy shirt, a poofy satin shirt with like random rhinestones on it, just so it kind of caught the light and red sequence suspenders and like zoot suit pants. So we didn't know at that time, like, Oh, this is how you wear the pants. You wear them high. It was like all of the pictures of me, my brother and my friend who were in the, the, up to our nips, like totally nip oh high pants, my God. and then a fake like wallet or watch chain hanging down. By the and way, it, shoes, it in, that, in that outfit, I believe pants. that could be your your number one seventies hit. Put your hands together for Austin Basis <laughs> and random rhinestones. <laughs> oh my God. Oh now, my Jenny, God. if given the preparation, like. Uh, you, let's say you had to do that again. Maybe the audience wasn't as big, you know, right. but a big, big audience and a song and people behind you and time to learn a dance. Could you do it? Or is it an inner thing that you feel that it doesn't overlap with your personality? They cannot be summoned even with the knowledge of it now and the preparation. Well, if BuzzFeed has taught me anything in this past couple of years, it is that it is possible. And as a woman, I should give no fucks about appearance and how I look and whether I'm stupid or not. Have I internalized that as still like sort of the scared high school kid? I don't know if I have. I've been able to talk to large crowds. Like I've been able to like give a 
like a presentation or whatever, but like I've never been able to do like the personal act of acting or singing or improv or anything like that. I just went, I went to writing, I went to producing and I went to podcasting. So I guess I could now because I finally figured out really that no one cares. Could you do it right now? <laughs> see, the problem is when it's a small group or like a, a black right. box theater, you can actually see everyone's face. Right. You yes. know, when it's a huge audience, besides the like kind of the buzz of whispers it, and, and then the applause at the end, you do, I mean, you know that it's like intellectually, you know there's a lot of people, right. but the fact that you can't see anyone's face individually and the lights are so blinding and that. I was- you yeah. just let, it's kind of frees you up a little sometimes. And I will say that without getting into it, because that's like a whole other story, like I had been the object of whispers uh, when I was a freshman in high school in a really bad way, like a whisper campaign almost. And yeah, it was really bad and dark. So I may have left that part out. But and it pers- it pursued me all through high school. So I think in some way getting out on that stage was in the movie of my life. The moment where I would have been like, fuck that bullshit. And been like, and just like, fuck you. With with respect to that, the fact that that existed and you had a a whisper campaign early in high school, the fact that you got out there, regardless of whatever or not your assessment of the performance is, is kind of, uh, to some extent, the story. Right. In the freaks and geeks version of my life, I wouldn't have done well, but it would have been a triumph anyway. Right. In the rom-com version of my life, I would have torn it up. I would have been signed to a band and it would have been whatever. But in the actual thing, it was like, well, I did that and now I'm done. Like that was my one moment of fame. So yeah, so that was my, that was my in front of everyone moment when I realized with utter certitude that maybe I did not want to be in front of everyone. But I will say that, and I don't mean to end this on a bummer note, like it's not really a bummer. Uh, Howie Friedman just passed away like six months ago uh, and he has gone to become the number one most allergic man that we all wish, um, you know, was still around. And we're going to have a performance, like a memorial performance sometime in probably the fall back in New Jersey. And uh, I'm sure many people will be singing, but I don't know if any of them will be me, but I will certainly be there to applaud because if, if you think about it really what teacher, and there are, there are lots of teachers out there, but what teacher has the balls to stand up and be like, in addition to all the work that I do, I am going to form a school-sanctioned rock band and and give all these kids a chance to play their instruments and sing and be rock stars. Yeah. And so for that, I am forever grateful. And also because I sort of theoretically know how to build a nuclear bomb. try and tell that involves me being in front of everyone um involves my wedding and despite all of the on stage in front of audience experience I've had this is the one that felt the most um exposed I suppose background my family's a little uh dysfunctional um we all have versions of that i suppose maybe we all do right oh yeah i can hope right healthy normal families down the hall okay yeah. i'm yeah. in the right place yeah. okay yeah so that's a background and i guess i can start with the engagement party that uh was going to take place about a year before the wedding and my mom had offered to host that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were in Los Angeles at the time. And my mom said, oh, I want to do that. Let me, let me host that. And I said, are you sure? And she said, oh, yes. And I said, okay. Very suspicious because when things involve me and my mother together. Um, it's not free of... of- charge it is not that is that is a lovely lovely way to put it yes um there's years and years of history that have led to 
the electricity. Yes. Are you able to sum up your mom in a sentence or three? Uh, or, an a- or an anecdote or a like, you know what I mean? I know this anecdote will probably do it. But <laughs> yeah. Um, but like to give some background of what people are getting into when your mom asks you uh, uh, to, if she can host a, a party like that. Okay. Perhaps we can jump to my sister's wedding, which was... <laughs> A couple years. Oh man! And there really weren't that many, but each wedding is so chock full of story. Anyway, so my sister got married, and long story short, my mother was there in attendance, of course, to see her daughter, her eldest daughter, get married. And we did the rehearsal where I was a bridesmaid, and there were several other bridesmaids, and we practiced walking in to the right measure of the music, and we were, you know, counting off the beats, and so, okay, you should be by this chair at this point in the song. Very, you know, choreographed, because we had to get the people into the right places, and that, you know, that's a wedding, right? And my mother watched the whole rehearsal, and then when the actual time came for the ceremony, and so everyone sits down and they close the doors and then you know how the bride lines up for the big reveal and so the bridesmaids are going to walk down the aisle first and my mother at this point right be- so right before they start the music for the bridesmaids um entrance she opens the door to like we're in the back of the of the space and uh, waiting to walk in and she opens the door she's in tears and she is pushing past ushers and and demanding to be to be back behind those doors because she needs to walk in too. Oh and okay, she's that, she's that okay. says it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so she, <laughs> yeah. Everybody's yeah, okay. got a good picture. <laughs> so a few years later, I'm getting married and my mom wants to host and be a part of things. And I hesitatingly agree. Um because what are children, if not <laughs> eternally faithful in their parents' ability to rise to the occasion? Hope, hope is, it dies hard, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no matter what happens, you know that once you're dancing under that spotlight with your uh, groom-to-be uh, to random rhinestones, everything will go. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. It all goes from there. Yeah. So, so it's you know whatever, whatever she can she can be a part of it, and it you know doesn't bother me. It shouldn't it shouldn't bother me if she wants to even take a starring role in this party. Whatever sure. it doesn't affect me or my marriage or my friends or whatever. It should be fine. And really, it was the party itself was fine. Um, the drama begins when we send my mother our the the guest list, people we wanted to invite, and just on, to the engagement party, just to the engagement party. Yeah. And on this list is my father, who is, you know, my father. And uh, I want him to be a part of the wedding and the wedding thing. Yes. So uh, backing up even further. So my parents got divorced when I was four. Uh, I grew up with my mom. um, And my dad uh, lived in Florida uh, at this point. And so he was going to fly in to this engagement party. My mom threw a fit that he was invited. Uh Like, Like a high school girl drama nasty emails about like why would I ever you know do that to my mother and include him because that's just you know it's not respectful to her and and uh it was kind of a mess and we we kind of got through it ish and but we didn't really have to get all the way through it because before the party my dad called to say that he had been diagnosed with cancer and he had it was like a couple it might have been like the week before the actual engagement party and he had just gotten the initial diagnosis and so he had to go and do more tests and he had to figure out what was going on and you know he was really sorry that he couldn't be at the party and i of course i'm like i totally understand i'm so you know is everything okay keep me posted um let me know everything right away and um so so he wasn't at the engagement party uh and my mother's response was sort of like well that's typical Oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> That's just what no. he does. He disappoints people. Oh, oh. my God. <clears throat> so, what, whatever. So, so there was, eh, it was. Cancer. Right. <laughs> Get over it. Right? Fine excuse. Excuse, yeah. Later on when, when we're discussing um, locations for the wedding, 
uh, I was thinking about Florida because that's where I was born. It's my hometown. It's mm-hmm. also what a lovely, like our family and friends are scattered all over the country and kind of the world a little bit. Mm-hmm. So what a lovely place to bring people to. Uh, it's the beach. It's, you know, yeah, and Florida. If, if it's Florida. If people want to travel, cool. And if not, whatever, I, you know, we'd love to see them, but fine. So uh, my mother was not okay with that, with the wedding taking place at in his neighborhood, so oh, to speak. Sure. Right. Um, and said that if we had the wedding in Florida, she would not go. You're like, great, to, to I'll my, be at Disney right. World. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I didn't know what to do with that. And I kind of kicked that can down the road, being like, you know what, we'll talk about it later. Um, the next month, my mother went to Florida uh, for her college reunion. And I was like, wait, you couldn't go to Florida for my wedding, but you could go to Florida for, and yeah, so she could go for the college reunion. Now, my she knows my father from college because he was one of her professors. So he was at this reunion. And while uh, they were both in attendance of this reunion celebration, she saw him, um, didn't talk to him at all, uh, but came back to Los Angeles and told me, looked me in the face and said, your father doesn't have cancer. He was lying to you. Well, he was lying or he was lied to? He was lying to he me. He was lying to This me. is what, this because is mom's claim. This is my oh mother. My and I was God. like, well, okay, why do you think that? Well, he was eating food. People with cancer aren't hungry, you know? And that, oh so she had this, this reasoning. I'm like, well, did you talk to him? Did you talk to his doctors? Did you talk, like, how do you, how are you going to make this claim? And what's your end game? What are you trying to to accomplish here. And so I was like, I, I kind of don't believe you. And I think it's kind of bullshit that you would even. Yeah, that's some shit. Like the only thing you're gaining is me being mad at you. And if you're right, then I'm mad at him and I'm mad at everyone. And my, you know, like, yeah, wh- like why? Why? Be a whole nother why? thing if she had a blood test and a whole. Sure. Chart. And right. it's like such a weird PowerPoint you know, presentation of yeah. why like, he doesn't have it. I hired when does that ever happen? Like, you know how you do those things, those like things. The like, anti, you know, climate change. People. I violated HIPAA. Yeah. yeah. And like I got nobody, my proof that it's it up in a court of here law. It is. Right. Like law and order. Almost never. I would say that almost never does it happen where you hear the phrase and someone says, I call bullshit on your cancer. On your, right? Nobody says that. Well, who, why, I mean, he could have come up, if he really didn't want to go, he could, oh, I have to work, yeah. uh, you know, whatever. Like, he didn't, okay. So, meanwhile, and I've been talking to him, you know, and, and hearing about uh, his cancer. His cancer. Yeah. Right. And my mom still doesn't believe it. And she's like, well, you know, he just, he, he's just disappointing pe- to people. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that he's doing this to you. And I'm like, well, yeah. he's not. Anyway, okay, so I, the, the, the build-up to the wedding was stressful um, for a number of reasons. I can think of one or two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so my, my father um, went through some treatment, uh, got a little better, got a little worse, got a little better, got a little worse. Um, it got to be uh, al- almost a year later, which was when the wedding was. And so it was two weeks before... And this wedding is where now? Uh, the, well, so so at this point, the wedding is going to take place in Texas, which is where my husband is right. from and where his family is. So I decided I'm not going to play my mom neutral. against my dad. Like, you know what? Hey, yeah. Like, screw, all screw you both. Texas. Very you smart both. play. Yeah. Very We're going smart to Texas play. in August. Deal with it. Because um, uh, if you can't get along, we're just, we're going to go to the Alamo. Yep. Uh, so <laughs> we did. And um, so t- two weeks leading up to it, I get the call from my dad saying, like, I'm not going to be able to go. I'm not doing well. And my then fiance um, was like, well, we need to go see him right now. And he booked us tickets and we went and we saw him. And, you know, I don't know if I had my head on straight to have made that decision. So I will be eternally grateful to my now husband for for making that call and forcing that call upon us because because um, it had to be done. And. That was, we saw him, you know, for a weekend and then a week later on the Monday before my wedding, he passed away. He died. And my mother was in town for the wedding festivities and she found out about it and she started to cry and she comes to me and tries to give me a hug and says, I'm so sorry he did this to you. Oh, oh my god. god. So that was awkward and I kind of brushed her off because I had, you know, and I mean, 
Awkward. <laughs> awkward. Yeah. Um, yes. And, of course, you know, we're staying at my future in-law's house. And so there's just lots of uh, family and future family hanging around. And um, so this is where it starts to be. I'm already in front of everyone, kind of. Uh, and everyone's being very nice about it. Kind? Kind. Um, and the way that everyone's being nice about it is by not talking to me about it. And I think they thought that they just didn't want to Un- like uncork the dam. Right, right. Did that make it worse? Were you wishing that people would would, would talk about it, or were you? What was your uh, it was like your the mind to in that the room? Yeah, well, yeah, yes, yeah. it was definitely an elephant in the room, and um, maybe two or three elephants. And your mom was yeah, the other and my elephant. mom, my mom is like poking it with a stick, and yeah. um, so I don't, I don't know. I mean. I think at the time I, I really wanted someone to like to acknowledge like like dude this sucks like yeah. like yeah. it all like timing's never good to lose a parent but like this sucks you know this is um this is my wedding week and uh so it was a, it was a little um it was like maybe you wanted to be in Brooklyn not Texas yeah <laughs> like in Brooklyn there would have been talk. Right. Like, it would have been discussed. We would have all gotten very drunk. Right. We would have cried a lot, hugged a lot, yelled a lot. Like, people would have, like, maybe yelled at your mom a lot, I think. <laughs> can the other can the other one back me up on this here? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, my, my grandmother was cremated, and, like, you bring her along for the ride, yeah. you know? Yeah. Right. Like, totally. It's, it's open. She's there in spirit and in... And in... And in- Body, actually, yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> dust, dust, dust. Yeah. but you uh, were in the land of the polite, so I was. In well, the land and of and I guess it's cathartic to be able to be honest about it to yourself, uh, yes. you know. And you can't really do that when nobody else is. It was a different environment than I was used to being, and I and I and I think that that also made it very much like I was in front of everyone, and people were, you know, was sort of like, "What's she gonna do?" And um, and this is where I think my whatever what little actor acting training and experience I had sort of kicked in and the whole experience became very performative for me. And I performed being a bride and I played the part of, you know, being, being in this wedding. And, um, and that's how I kind of got through it. But the, the part where I felt the most in front of everyone and exposed and alone was walking down the aisle and that was you know my dad was going to walk me down the aisle and it was kind of like a few days before and if I was clear-headed maybe I would have you know brought in the B team or something um and I certainly couldn't have my mom do it at that point because I was so just like angry with her for um everything for, for, for a lot of things and uh so I remember standing there and the bridesmaids had walked in and they reclosed the doors and I walked up to the door and I like, I think that's the most alone I've felt. And, uh, in, you know, in probably in my life where I just, there was, I was like the only one there. And then they opened the doors and from what people tell me, I ran down that aisle <laughs> like by myself. I ran. And part of it was, I'm like, I just need to get this over with. I need, I see my husband. I see he's up there or my future husband, Michael, and I'm going to get to him and I'm going to hold on to his hand and I'm not going to let it go. And, uh, also my feet were incredibly sweaty and I was falling out of my heels. So <laughs> I was like, so part of me was like, don't cry, don't fall, don't cry, don't fall, don't cry. And, and somehow I, you know, I made it down the aisle and probably record time and made it up to where Michael was standing. And then I was not alone. And I also didn't feel like I was in front of everyone anymore. Was um, Come Sail Away the song that you came into? No, actually, not <laughs> that would have been great. That, that would have been awesome. Um, for for our yeah. renew, our vow renewal, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you're, you're I'll hired. sing it. Your I'll book. do it. It's for yeah. you. I will rock it out. I will totally. rock it out. Totally. So. Do you remember anything about the music and the things and the, the the little pieces, or was it just like eyes on Michael, get to it? It it really was eyes on Michael, and I remember, um, I remember the floor in the church of and that aisle, and it's a sort of slate hard, and I just remember that and 
walking kind of as fast as I could. Did it feel any different when you were at the reception past that point when you went down the aisle? I mean, obviously, it's not the, it's not a small thing, so it's not like it can abate, you know? But like, is it something you look back and it's almost like dual, like you look back at it joyfully and you look back at it with sadness at the same time because of the conflicting emotions it, that were happening? I mean, it was definitely conflicting. And I still, every time we have an anniversary, Ugh. you know, it's a double anniversary. It's an, you know, anniversary of my dad's death and our wedding anniversary. And so it is, it's, it's still conflicting. And, um, I, you know, someday I, I do want to have like a, a vow renewal or whatever. So we can sort of redo our, the celebratory side of it with that, you know, um, but it was, um, it, it was very hard to separate the two. And I think that's again, where the performativeness came in. And, uh, it also helped that, 90% of the guests were people I didn't know. That's true. So I w it wasn't like a, a, a wedding where I was completely surrounded by my friends and family. I did have some very good friends there. Um, one of whom is not making what, it through this whole thing very yeah. well. <laughs> <laughs> I see Colleen over in the corner just like, I can't, I can't. <laughs> um, but it was, you know, and we, we just sort of, that's where I was like, I'm just going to, I'm going to smile. I'm going to slap the smile on my face and we're going to get through it. And I'm going to, um, we have, we have our marriage to be happy and joyful. And, and, uh, if I didn't slip into this place of performing, I would have, it would have been very sad and, uh, it was sad, but it would have been extra sad. And the how was your mom during the wedding? Did she make a like an embarrassing toast, or did she? Yes, she oh. did. Yes, yeah. <laughs> highlights? Any um, highlights that you yes. remember? Um, was it no, like faux tearful, like out like crocodile tears? I, well, kind of? I mean, I or was tears? it the moment? Did she seize the moment and capture the moment and kind of keep yeah. the moment? So we had a, a wedding coordinator. Um, especially because I was planning the, the wedding from out of town. So it was nice to have someone in town. And I gave her strict instructions. So when it's time for the toasts, we're going to have this person, this person, and this person talk. Mm -hmm. That's it. Do not let anyone else have a microphone. Do not let anyone else take the floor. That's it. And um, <laughs> it didn't work out so well. Oh, no. And How did she break through the defenses? Did, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Is she still to this day? A cancer truther? You know, Lonnie has stomach cancer. Sure. The hell he does. <laughs> yeah. Give me his cancer certificate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where is the well, certificate? Interestingly, my uncle was diagnosed as having um, cancer. Um, I think like prostate cancer. Right. And my mom's response was, well, that's not the kind of cancer that kills people. Uh... <laughs> So well, maybe, yeah, maybe she's still in. <laughs> May I just take a moment to give you props in every way that I can give you props because you made it down that aisle. You made it to this wonderful guy who I'm not at all biased because he's my financial advisor or anything, <laughs> but and you have created this magical life. I've come to visit you in your home. I've come to see you've got two amazing children. Like it was know. a random rhinestone in yeah. the summer night. <laughs> yeah, just reached out and she held it tight. Yep. It was a random. See now I'm gonna cry. Random oh. rhinestone. <laughs> so yeah. I give all my love to you Though my heart's been broke a thousand times in two And yes, that should make me stop But in fact, it's quite the opposite I give and I will give my love to you I will give, I will give my love to you So Austin! Yes! Your turn! It would be tough if my story was very similar. Yeah, like, <laughs> strangest thing happened to me too. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's I I, I didn't play in a band in high school um, or sing quote unquote sing right. quote unquote. <clears throat> but I did poop my pants in first grade. What? <laughs> and uh, I, when I told one of my friends this story in college, he said I was an actor. You know, you know, going to school. He said if 
you ever get on any show, you have to tell the story. <laughs> so I'm in first grade, six years old, and you know, kids pee their pants, they poop their pants. I mean, it happens. You're still like, working on the mechanics. Still, uh, you're still in the safe zone. But it, it doesn't make it any less embarrassing, mortifying, and life-altering. No. <laughs> Life-crushing. Terror. Yeah. Uh, so, second half of the day, you know, we've had lunch, and... <laughs> There's no. your first mistake. <laughs> <laughs> you actually, I actually ate lunch. Save it till you get home. Oh, uh, sloppy <laughs> Joe day. Um, so, it's the second half of the day, and, you know, it's an hour, hour and a half after lunch, and yep. you, you probably, like, it's kind of a six-year-old, picture a six-year-old sitting there, and in elementary school, you have lesson plans, so there's every, like, half hour, 45 minutes, you kind of change, whether it's math, reading, you know, history, social studies. Um, so, I am weighing in my mind, I'm like, okay, so I have been about an hour left of school Am I going to wait this out? Am I going to like, and this is a six-year-old mind, yeah, so yeah. it's like. But whatever your age, everybody understands that. Yes. Poo math. Totally. <laughs> like, you're trying to figure out, like, the poo too much? I, I can hold it The poopability. Yes, the poopability of it happening. Uh, the over-under. The over-undercarriage. Yeah, oh. The over-undercarriage. So um, weighing the options, and I, I decide to go for it. I decide to, you know, I have to go. Um, and I raise my hand and I'm like, I need to use the bathroom. I didn't say I need to take the biggest shit of my life. Right. My <laughs> young, impressionable yes. first grade life. Right. Um, and so, uh, I raise my hand and ask my teacher, Mrs. Garshman. Yep. Um, <laughs> that's uh, a great name. Uh, which who, before I had her as a teacher, she had, you know, not the, the kindest face. She kind of had like a. Like a, a very like a, jowly face, that kind fish. of yes. <laughs> and she wasn't she wasn't a bad yeah. She wasn't she wasn't one of the nicer teachers I've had. But in this moment, she said, "You need to wait until I'm done with the lesson, and then you can go." Uh. And I'm like, "What am I gonna say? No, I have to shit now." Uh, <laughs> I don't even have the language. Seeing, for I know. This. I do. Yes, that is right. I'm a, fucking cruelty. I'm a, too. Yeah, yeah. The teacher would do that. I'm at uh, yes. Um, uh, what, what what do they use in war games? A DEFCON 4? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm on DEFCON 9 right now. It's like, you know, coming, like, flowing <laughs> over my pants. Um, no. So <laughs> here I am. A cookie? And so in our school. DEFCON 1 is light fart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> DEFCON 2 is like, you know, raspberry. It's like, you know, like uh, Hershey squirts. Like, where it just like fart and then a little DEFCON squirt comes two? out. Yeah. Um, DEFCON 3 is solid, and yeah. then DEFCON 4 is... Where you were. You know, wherever, yeah. Yeah. Go every which way, explosive. Um, so, and I was at DEFCON 9, mind you. Right. <laughs> so, oh all right, and it seems to me like it, it was like 20 minutes. It, it, like, it had to be epically long. And here, I'm getting closer, like 45 minutes till the end of, of school. And at that point, I don't know if you had the same thing, but... You had to go with a kind of a, a bathroom buddy. Uh, oh. But the bathroom buddy had to be a girl. Because it's like, it, it was just, not that what she would come in the bathroom. What kind of school did you go to? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so I went with this. Such complicated this, logistics. I know. I know. So, um, uh, so I go with this girl, Jamie Weiss, who I, I, I'm still friends with. I know she lives in LA. Um, and so we finally get the bathroom. They pass. wait outside, right? Yes. Okay. Oh. <laughs> um, so this this is the crazy part. It's like every aspect of the story is, you know, you you almost don't believe it, but it's I I kid you not, it's a, everything is true. So we go to the bathroom. The bathroom was not on the same floor. There was no bathroom on the first floor, and so um, we had to go down to the main floor which is a huge like kind of like staircase from the lobby of the 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 uh, steps the school <laughs> then walk across kind of like the gym what the gym was oh my god and then walk up it was like you know probably a flight of eight to ten stairs to go and then at the you know when you walk in the bathroom it's a long hallway all the way down to you get around to like the urinals and the bathrooms and the bathrooms 
didn't really have any doors on them. Right. But I get there. Oh, God. I'm like, That's why you fucking, they don't have doors on them. Yes. Jesus yeah. Christ. Right. That's what makes it worse. So, you know, I get, I'm like, with each passing moment, it's building. And I have six years of experience, actually, probably like four years of experience right, right. holding it in, you know, and kind of those muscles and that ability to kind of weigh, again, probability. It's like, as adults, you weigh the probability of, utter embarrassment of shitting your pants to holding it on for dear life and finding a way to get through <laughs> right. so you don't have to deal with that. Yeah. As a kid, you know, it's it's not the same kind of like uh, scenario. You so, just don't have the accumulated wisdom. No, the accumulated wisdom or uh, grasp of how right. really urgent. In, urgent and embarrassing it would be if this would happen if you know poop would come and, out and you have not, not yet gone to, to school for holding out. it in with the loose mesh yes. and the satin pants no <laughs> right exactly full control over the machine yeah, and, of your and, body you know most of the time when I was in desk school I was wearing spandex so it's like an automatic like you know <laughs> sphincter tightener yeah it's an automatic yeah, that's right. true oh my god um, so walk up this staircase you know and I'm at the point where I can't really run you know, so I, even walking upstairs is that kind of tight walk where you're yeah. squeezing your butt cheeks together. <laughs> and again, this is all I'm experiencing all this for possibly the first time in my life. I get to the top of the stairs. I walk down um, this long hallway and I kind of have one of those moments where it's like, oh, it's about to come. <laughs> and then I get a breath. Like I get that moment of like, it passed, right. it passed. I have time, I have time. And I get there. That's I the get, surge. Yes, yeah. the surge. <laughs> I get there, totally. So I get there, I get around the corner, I pick a stall, you know, which stall with no door am I right. going to choose? I choose the second one. And I, you know. Now, do they not have doors because of the graffiti or they don't want people up to things behind them or something? I think it's, I, I just think it was just, they didn't, it was one of those things where if there was a door, there was no lock on it. But if a lot of times kids knocked them off, it was like, you know, probably a safety thing or just yeah. a lack of, you know, it's taking broken. care of the school. It's broken, yeah. right? Exactly. Pub right. Was it public um, or private? Public school. Public school. Yeah, yeah. We could say $14,000 um, on doors and PS not doing art. PS-188. PS-188. Or should I say PUS-188. So I get there and I'm sure... I don't know if girls will, women will understand, but I had one of those pairs of kid pants with not only the button and the zipper, but the string tie. <gasps> oh, yeah. So I go and I, you know, I didn't realize it at the time, but I get there and, you know, the second wave is coming or that last wave is coming. So I'm getting, <laughs> I get down wave. to the business and I am fumbling like, you know, like all thumbs. And I get the thing open. You're six. You don't even I'm know six. how to use your thumb. I barely, I barely know how to tie a knot, right? Oh. And so I open up the string. And then I open up the button. I'm, I'm almost down. I pull down my pants. I'm fully there. And I have that moment of like, all right, I'm just going to fart to relieve oh, the... No. To relieve the pressure, and the fart was it. That was it. It was just, uh, I forget what Nick Kroll said. It was like fudge in my pants, or like it just I'm filled up. shitting away. <laughs> totally nice. Way to bring it back. Totally shitting away. And total, I mean, it was like a. And you were there. I was there. It was like tidy whiteies. I was so there. close. I was literally hovering above the toilet. And so you did mostly okay then, or no? I, Me I did. no meaning like if you were hovering above the toilet, then it w wasn't a total disaster, or no? All of what I had in my stomach, it was now in my underwear. Oh, that tidy whities! I never got my yeah. tidy yeah. whities like right down. Before the toilet. Final it, moment. Like getting was, shot I, at the finish line. Because <laughs> as I was pulling down my, uh, mind you, red pants, um, oh. I pulled down the red pants and. It was that moment where I was like, I have to fart and, and just relieve the stress. And and it relieved more all than the stress. The stress. <laughs> it relieved all my stress. Yeah. yeah. Actually, it was awesome. But so immediately started crying like yeah. uh, a six-year-old boy. Um, yeah. And and Jamie is outside. is like, is everything all right? She can't come in. She's a girl. Like She's calling. It's like, do you need me to get Mrs. Garshman? Oh. And it was this whole like... Thing. I was like, no, no, no. And I, I just didn't know what to say. So in my, <laughs> get my mom. 
Like, what do you say? Uh, yeah, How do you, do you resolve say? that situation? It gets worse. So in my oh, infinite God. wisdom, I you would think, what would you do? Like, Matt, what would you do in that situation if you were today? If you shit your pants. You know what? I, would, ha- I, I yeah. was just tr- thinking of, of could we, Scenarios. if we put together all the collective wisdom of our adult brains. Yes. Could we figure out what to do? Because even now, I was thinking, I was like, I crawl out the window and there's poo all over my bum. Like, I like, yeah. I like didn't have a thing. I didn't have a yeah. thing of, of what to do. Your, your clothes are destroyed. Yeah. You're naked if you don't have your clothes. One ply so, toilet paper well, yeah. at best in a tight, like, toilet paper roll that you'd have to, like, you know, do the whole weaving thing just to get one piece of toilet paper to wipe. So what would you have done? I, 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 I don't know that there's a good exit strategy. Okay, so that's the thing. My exit strategy was just to pull up my pants and, and just, just walk on. Just out. go. Just go and just hope. That Is that what everybody else would do? I it, Yeah, well, I think I, it's not in a retrospect. Fixable, I think it's not a fixable situation. I feel like if you had been in seventh grade, yes. right? Instead of six years old, yeah. you would have been like, Jamie, go get like the principal called my dad. Have a, like whatever it was. Like whoever could have gone. Honestly, and that's even more mortifying. Oh, I, that's I true. Like in retrospect, I've thought about this for what years. What kind of a man I, are you? I've thought about this. You, you can't hold the shit in your ass. Oh my god! Thank God my dad was kind to of, parents. Um, yes. No, um, no. Or if it was Jess's mom, I, I shit my pants. Honestly, I don't believe you. Honestly, <laughs> can you get a second opinion? I, I would have been the the kid that just right takes off his underwear. Right. Like because. Again, had my shoes on and my Where pants on, so I would have to yeah. like weirdly maneuver with the, the door wide open, <laughs> uh, out of my like get naked and put those nasty right. and make sure that everything is yeah. clear. There were no, and then, you had no support logistics. No support logistics. I was by myself with a girl. If there was another guy, maybe it would have been more embarrassing because right. he would have seen it. Um, and it would have been face to face with me standing over uh. with now no, no longer tidy whiteies, they were tidy brownies. Uh. And so I go back to my class, and she, you know, I like I think it was obvious with Jamie. So when we got back to class, it was kind of like she, I didn't really need to say anything, but like it was like a tattletale kind of thing. Like uh. you know, she was like, you know, told the teacher, and Miss Garshman called me out to the hall and was just like. You know what it, you know, and kind of, you know, yeah. you know, she's like, well, just, just sit on your lunchbox for the rest of the day. Oh. So I took my A-team lunchbox. What period of school was this? Like, how long did you have Elementary the end school. Of school? It was like I had like an hour left, oh. like less than an hour left. What? So wait, so she she told did you she accept to... any culpability for her role in this situation no. by not allowing I mean, you I feel to like go? She well, told I you to go down. Down. I was nurse. like, I had to go, and you said to wait, and then I couldn't wait. Yeah. You know. Um, but I don't think that came out like that. You know, it wasn't that logical. Did you, how close sick. did you live to the school? I lived in walking distance. Oh. So I, I could have taken like the epic shit break, but right. it, it, you know, I wouldn't. That, you could have think in elementary because you, you, you don't respect the authority school. so right. much. Yeah. Yes. You but don't. You can't think school. that because yeah, you think like running home would be the best right. thing, but at the time you think you're just you're, you're in control. Right. All the adults control you. Totally. And I used to like honestly when I was that young, kindergarten, I think first grade, and maybe even second grade. Even though I lived like six blocks or ten blocks away from school, I'd take a bus. Right. Like we would wait, yep. we'd go to my corner right. and take a bus, and it would be we would be the last stop in the neighborhood and they would just go right to school. And it was honestly ten eight to ten blocks away. Like short blocks, not like city blocks. So instead of my A team lunchbox, um, it was either A team or Mr. Cotter. Oh. Ah, welcome back, Cotter. Welcome back, Cotter. Uh, up your nose with a rubber hose. Uh, <laughs> red pants, red lunchbox. I'm so glad because you used to get lunchboxes every year, yeah. like a new lunchbox. My original lunchbox was the Tin Hulk lunchbox oh, in kindergarten. That's solid. Yeah. And I used to like pride myself on getting new ones, but I this one was the first round of plastic lunchboxes. Right. Oh yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, so it was. I think it was A Team or the again. Welcome back, Cotter. Sat on it the whole day. Um, so meanwhile, like I'm sitting there, not doing anything, not participating, and there's kids around me going, oh, "What's that smell? Uh. Like it smells so bad. Like what is that?" And you know, obviously, people started figuring out when I'm like, I'm like raised above everyone, oh, like this, and it's kind of like on display. 
Um, yeah, what kind of a teacher does she's that? She's like, whatever you do, isolate. don't get in on yeah. the public chairs. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm like, isolate your dilemma and make it very obvious. Totally. Ugh. That totally. totally seems like a weird generational thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. Sit on your lunchbox. I was like, maybe I should just sit in my lunchbox and just close it. You know, yeah. like, um, so in those days, so I used to take a bus to school, but I would take uh, like a carpool home. So whatever parent was available right. after school would take four or five kids in the neighborhood. And I'm talking about like a pack car. It was like four kids in the back. And again, I had to sit on my lunchbox. And again, the same thing the whole time was like, who, who, what's that smell? Oh, it smells like duty. Like, you know, <laughs> the whole last hour of day. Um, and then in the car ride, the literal three minute car ride home, um, I think it was like one of those like yellow Oldsmobiles. It was like an old car. So it like, leather seats, thank God. Um, but anyway, I got home and my mom was home by that time. And, um, the only reasonable way to, you know, get rid of all this was to go in the bath with my clothes on. And so all of my pants, my underwear and the poop. What about Freddie Boom Boom Washington and Horseshack? Did they get a bath too? <laughs> they they, got, washed. they got washed thoroughly. Yeah. They totally got washed thoroughly. Horseshack was not pleased. He was like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> made it through i published an episode thanks to all the patrons thanks for your patience i'll do better next time